This podcast is brought to you by Reynolds & Reynolds, the industry leader in automotive technology. Reynolds has turned the page to what's next by making it possible for you to retail anywhere. Discover your next chapter at reyrey.com slash me. That's R-E-Y-R-E-Y dot com slash me. Welcome to Daily Drive for Thursday, February 9th, 2023. I'm Jamie Butters, executive editor of Automotive News, joining you from the Chicago Auto Show. And I'm Kellen Walker. Today on the show... Toyota pulls the sheet off the 2024 Grand Highlander. Nissan expects cratering sales of its small cars to recover soon. And wholesale used vehicle prices climb again. Plus, Hyundai Motor North America Vice President of Product Planning and Mobility Strategy, Ola B.C. Boyle, joins us from Chicago. She says Hyundai may pass on its Inflation Reduction Act tax credits to customers who lease an EV. We are looking at plans to pass that through to ensure that our customers benefit from that credit that comes from the IRA. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. Here in Chicago, Toyota debuted its 2024 Grand Highlander last night on the eve of the Chicago Auto Show. It takes the body and bones of one of the Japanese brand's top-selling crossovers and supersizes it to deliver a more comfortable and competitive family vehicle and without sliding rear doors. The biggest feature of the Grand Highlander is its bigness, especially in the third row. Craig Payne is the Grand Highlander's chief engineer. He says this is what Toyota buyers want in an SUV. This will continue to show the great name that Toyota has and what we think about our customers and how we consider the customer's input into making new vehicles. So I think it's gonna strengthen our brand and our portfolio. Toyota has not released pricing yet. It expects the Grand Highlander to be in showrooms in the second half of the year. Back at Toyota's headquarters in Japan, recently appointed CEO Koji Sato is putting his leadership team together for a challenging new era. Sato takes the helm from current boss Akio Toyota on April 1st. Toyota has led the world's largest automaker through a centralized management style that has increasingly been centered around himself as a top-down leader. But as Toyota prepares to move to the role of chairman this spring, he said teamwork will be key to Sato's success. Details of Sato's new team are still taking shape, but at last month's announcement, he gave a sneak peek at the big picture. He says he will adopt a product-centered and region-centered leadership model while endeavoring to, quote, fully redesign Toyota into a mobility company. Meanwhile, in Tokyo today, Nissan COO Ashwani Gupta says cratering sales of some of the brand's most popular compact vehicles should start to recover this quarter. That's as the company ramps up microchip-constrained production. Slumping sales of the Sentra and Versa small cars and Kicks compact crossover helped fuel about a 7% decline in global sales for the October to December quarter. Gupta said sales of those models, all made in Mexico, have been torpedoed by severe production constraints caused by the ongoing global semiconductor shortage. Nissan says demand for smaller, affordable products is on the rise as customers react to rising fuel prices, sticker prices, and interest rates. And wholesale used vehicle prices rose for a second month in a row in January. It's the result of higher-than-expected demand, according to one major indicator. Cox Automotive's Mannheim Used Vehicle Value Index is a measurement of wholesale used vehicle prices calculated by tracking vehicles sold at Mannheim's U.S. auctions and applying statistical analysis to those figures. Cox says it rose 2.5% in January from December. 
but wholesale prices were still down 13% at the end of January from a year earlier. The Mannheim Index adjusts its figures for mix, mileage, and seasonality. On a non-adjusted basis, the Mannheim Index rose 1.5% in January from December, with prices down 11% year over year. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, you're in Chi-Town, and you saw the unveiling of the new Grand Highlander, which is pretty cool. How's the rest of the show floor looking, and do we expect any more unveilings this week? You know, it's a it's a huge sprawling floor. First, I mean, last night, I mean, the Grand Highlander, it has that, you know, modern Toyota look with the trapezoidal grill and all that. It has a presence. The show floor here is is very large. There's like six test tracks for people to drive EVs and uh, and get to put their hands in cars and, and get around. Uh, the other big reveals, we are looking for a redesigned uh, Subaru Crosstrek and a refreshed VW Atlas and Atlas Crossport. Nice. Coming up, we'll hear from Hyundai Motor North America Vice President of Product Planning and Mobility Strategy, Ola B.C. Boyle. That's next on Daily Drive. Reynolds & Reynolds recently announced a new logo and brand image to better reflect the company it is today and its vision for the future. Hear what Chris Walsh, president of Reynolds & Reynolds, has to say about Reynolds' rebrand and the next chapter. I think, you know, if you look back, it really started, you know, probably two years ago with a new leadership team in place and the decision to kind of look at how we can be a better company and how we can better serve our customers and how we can help them be more successful. But it's really accelerated the last, you know, 12 months. This is a commitment to a new kind of company in my eyes and a new way of kind of cohabitating in the industry, helping our customers be more successful. And, uh, you know, the marketing side of this is, I mean, it's certainly important to help to have a marketing organization that, you know, kind of takes your messages and makes them concise and, and impactful and, and broadcast that to the world. That's certainly a critical part you know, of what we're doing. But this is not a marketing program. This is, you know, a company-wide initiative you know, to better serve the industry and to, you know, help us get to the next chapter uh, in automotive. Visit rayray.com slash me to learn more about Reynolds' vision for the future and discover your next chapter. That's R-E-Y-R-E-Y dot com slash me. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. It might be a while before we know all the winners and losers from the Inflation Reduction Act's new EV tax credit regime, but at the start, Hyundai was one of the clear losers. Despite U.S. investments and a number of popular models, it was completely cut off from consumer tax credits when President Joe Biden signed the bill into law. It's been a source of frustration for Hyundai as the South Korean company argues that its strategy, local production of affordable mass-market EVs to reduce carbon emissions, is in perfect harmony with U.S. policy even if the timing is a little off. Ola B.C. Boyle, Hyundai Motor North America's Vice President of Product Planning and Mobility Strategy, is responsible for ensuring that Hyundai and Genesis models meet the needs of North American consumers. I caught up with her at the Chicago Auto Show. Here's our conversation. Ola B.C. Boyle, welcome back to Daily Drive. Oh, good to see you again. We're here in uh, Chicago at the Hyundai stand. In front of the Ionic 6. In front of the And Ionic. there's an Ionic 5 over there as well. So the Ionic 6... It's coming to market very soon. Yes, the first quarter. I saw it was uh, rated 300, up to 361 miles of range. That was kind of a surprise. That was uh, higher than had been projected. Yes, we are so proud of that. You, I mean, as you, you know already, the Ionic 5 
was based off the eGMP platform. So the Ionic 6 is the second off that platform. One of the things that we wanted to do while we've got this crossover SUV and we've got this four-door vehicle over here on the Ionic 6 is what things can we um, sort of maximize with that same platform? So you'll see the active air flaps, you'll see the wheel gap reducers, you'll see the underbody treatments, all of that in the streamlined shape allowed us to get a 0.22 coefficient of drag. I mean, that's pretty competitive. And we'd be 0.21 if we could actually have the side mirrors that are the cameras, which mm -hmm. you can't have those in the States right now. And um, we'd be at 0.21, but that's what also enabled that 361. So we're about 303 on the Ionic 5, but mm -hmm. 361 off the same platform on this Ionic 6. Just because the sedan shape is so much more efficient. Right, it reduces drag go yeah. going around this vehicle. And then there's a lot of body treatments to also guide, mm -hmm. you know, the, the wind and the air around the vehicle in a way that really saves on aero. Mm -hmm. yeah. It seems like we should be able to get the other mirror technology. Yeah, it's just not, it's not available in the States right now. I, yeah. I know, From regulation I know why, standpoint. why the regulators won't allow it. Okay, you need to talk to them about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do my thing. And, and whatever you can do to help us out, you know, let us know. Right. Right. So we're looking at these EVs and of course there's been a constant flux in the EV tax credit regime. Mm. Um, you know, kind of just as you guys were hitting your stride, they changed the rules and said mm. only North American built EVs would qualify. Mm. And then the electric version of the GV70 was deemed a car and not mm. a truck. Mm. Although I think now it's been classified back to a truck. Right. So that guidance, it's, it gets more uh, clear every day. A little bit, uh, maybe, um, but it's but it has been. It's difficult to have a, a changing environment with a long product lead times, mm -hmm. and obviously the time to build a factory in mm -hmm. Georgia takes years. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's not easy. Do you anticipate with the new guidance that the electric GV70 will qualify for thirty-seven fifty in EV tax credits? Well, what we'll also need to do at that time is in March is when they're coming out with the battery guidance, right? So you're going to need to wait for that piece of it. But in the interim, there's an opportunity, right? Mm -hmm. But here, here's, the, here's the deal with the IRA. We have, they, there are opportunities um, that I think helps the entire industry with respect to lease in the IRA, right? Mm -hmm. And qualifying for the $7,500 tax yes. credit, right? So that's one. Second thing is there's no gap between what Hyundai wants to do and has been doing for many years before IRA in terms of reducing, helping to reduce emissions by developing a platform of which you could have an Ionic 5, Ionic 6, soon to be an Ionic 7, and GV60, right? Mm -hmm. And so we are aligned with the US government in terms of emissions reduction. But the key thing is, since that's been our strategy all along, we obviously have committed to this platform and to these vehicles and to EVs, but we've also committed to a plant in the US, both battery and um, a vehicle plant. So we're still going along with that and we're gonna work since we have similar intent in terms of reduction of emissions as the US government and try to take care of every opportunity for our consumers with respect to the IRA. Now you make a, a really good point. It's a it's a long term game. It's not just about this quarter's sales or this month's. Uh, it's about the factories that last for generations mm -hmm. and the shape of the car park for decades to come. Right. right? But, but nonetheless, and I think that's the intent of the U.S. government to have mm -hmm. policy that encourages 
EV adoption. I mean, that's what we're trying to get to. So uh, it may take a, a little while with working out the guidance and the rules, but we're going to work to sort of take the opportunity to make sure whatever those opportunities are with policy, that they can enjoy the quality EVs that we're producing. I want to come back to your first point, okay. which is the uh, 45W commercial clean car lease program. Is Hyundai planning to or committed to passing that through into leases to encourage people to get into uh, yes, Ionic 5s that, that and one, Ionic 6s? That, that, that we are looking at plans to pass that through to ensure that our customers benefit mm -hmm. from that credit that comes from I mean, the IRA. To make them really compelling, uh, you know, a lease decision or purchase decision. 100%. If you can get save $7,500. 100%. And we recognize that and we'll use that to help our customers to get our EVs. Should EVs be leased anyway? Is that just the best way to own an EV? You know, this is what I say for different consumers, different needs, right? Mm. Some people, retail works for them. Mm -hmm. Some people, lease works for them. Some people, subscription works for them. <laughs> And to be honest, again, as part of our plans, independent of what was happening with the IRA, we recognize as you move from early adopters to mass adoption, different consumers are gonna have different needs. Mm -hmm. So do we have a way for different consumers to access EVs in different ways? 28 day subscription that's renewable up into a year that sort of takes care of all your, your, your needs. Maybe there's a need that I just need it for three months. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's a need that I wanna see if it works in my area, whether there's any charging in my area and does it work for me. Maybe there's a need, my kid comes home from college and needs it for three months. Um, but what, it, what we wanna do is drive EV miles up mm -hmm. and that helps. Now, if you wanna buy one or lease one, we're happy to sell that and do that too. <laughs> With the Ionic 5, what have you learned about mass, more mass market consumers mm -hmm. of EVs as opposed to the really early adopters? Right. So early adopters might have bought a particular brand because that's what you do, right? Or because there were so few options. And there was not many options. Now there's many more options. But what we found with Ionic 5, which has been so recognized, is now I want, yeah, I want an EV, but I still want it to do things for me and my lifestyle. I find a lot of people get into it and, and you, you know, you might have heard this uh, statistic before where the wheelbase in the interior allows it to be as long as a palisade, right? But on the exterior, you're looking at kind of a Tucson size vehicle, mm -hmm. right? So when people look at it, they get inside and they're like, oh my God, it's so roomy. And I can bring my baby seat in here. And this works for me. This is still ultimately something, a vehicle that someone uses every day in their daily life. When you move from early adopters to mass adoption. And I think the people that have really recognized it, it functions from the 800 volt architecture that gives it that fast charging. It functions from the 300 plus AER and it uh, functions with things like vehicle to load and it's roomy on the interior. But then you got the function, but you also got the form. There's some people that really appreciate the way this vehicle looks. There was a design and thought made for it and people appreciate both the form and function of this. And it's clearly been recognized when you launch a car off the first platform, the first vehicle in the first year and win World Car of the Year and EV of the Year and Design of the Year and, you know, Motor Trend SUV of the Year. That's not an accident. You know, there's a lot of thought to say as we move to mass adoption, is this something that works for them? And I think it has. And I, and now that we've even increased the function on Ionic 6, we're only going to do better.
So what's the rollout of the six going to look like? Uh, I mean, you said uh, I've seen spring. You said first quarter. Is it in production? And we should start having them in dealers, showrooms by the end of the first quarter. And uh, pricing available at that time? Exactly. Not yet? Yeah, not but, yet. We haven't released it yet. Okay. But you'll know it'll be competitive. <laughs> Uh, so your other uh, vehicle this year is the um, Kona. Kona. Yes. Um, that's second half of the year? Yeah, in the middle of the year. Okay. Um, both ICE and EV version. Okay. Yeah. ICE and EV. Yeah, EV towards the end, of the, the end of the year. Okay. Yeah. So uh, Hyundai Group globally mm-hmm. aims for 10% sales growth this year. Mm-hmm. Is that the same target for the U.S.? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. It's just consistent. I mean, it's not 20% like last year, you know? We will always achieve to do better. We work for Jose Munoz, and um, we will grow sales and share. Mm-hmm. You feeling like chip supply is adequate? Are you guys still pinched a bit? You know, this this is what I, I say. There, there were a lot of lessons learned during pandemic timeframe, and there was a lot of great focus within Hyundai on managing over and under production, managing mix, and managing inventory. And those lessons learned going into 23, we're gonna keep up with that. We've got the processes set for that. In, we ended in December with 40% year over year sales um, increase, right? And so this year, we're gonna continue with the processes we're doing to manage whatever headwinds that may, may or may not be in front of us by doing the things we did that we learned during the um, uh, supply chain challenges and during the pandemic. But I think the thing we wanna also focus on is that consumer experience, at our dealerships, the consumer experience within our vehicles, and not lose sight of the innovation that's working working for us. So we, we see sales and share growth, and we still, still see our focus on consumer experience and innovation. The year is still going to be bright, future bright. <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe some, some growth again for everybody or for the market overall, but mm-hmm. uh, probably a, another, another year of growth for Hyundai. We feel so. Yeah. I want to ask, okay, because um, small trucks are interesting and and fun and seem to be doing well. Are you happy with the Santa Cruz mm. and its uh, response in the market? And do you feel like it needs electrified powertrains? We are happy with the Santa Cruz and it's and, and it's and um, how it's done in the market. Um, what I will say is, we continually look at what would be the next step with respect to electrifying all our vehicles and those plans are there if the consumer looks like that's something they want we will consider it old bc boyle thank you so much for joining me again today all right thank you jamie that's daily drive for today i'm jamie butters and i'm kellen walker thanks to automotive news coordinating producer jake near as well as our own laura harris larry valquette hans grimo nauto akamura and cj moore for their help on today's podcast You can get the latest news on EV tax credits, product reveals, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Come back tomorrow for a conversation about the compliance violations that are putting dealerships at risk. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.